Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, we're reflecting back on the year of local news 2016 with the co-founders of Columbus Underground, Ann and Walker Evans. We go through a roundup of the top dozen stories of the year, diving deep into some of them. We also get into how Columbus Underground does its work and why they got rid of the discussion boards. You can get more information on what we discussed today and the list of the year's top articles in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Enjoy the discussion. Sitting down here on the occasion of the end of the year, doing a wrap-up of the news of the year with the founders of Columbus Underground and the Metropreneur, the Evans Creative Group, Ann Evans and Walker Evans. How are you guys? Good. Yeah, great. Good. We are going to talk through some of the the sort of highlights of the year. First of all, can you guys talk about, you know, how, how the year was in Columbus? I think, you know, you've given me a rundown of what the most viewed stories on Columbus Underground were. We also have a brand new mayor. Uh, we have a mostly brand new city council. There has been a lot of national news that has been interesting. How's the year been? I think overall in Columbus, it's been pretty good. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of positive things, you know, some some negative things as well. But uh, it, it seems like some of the year-end review stuff that we've read on a national scale lately all says that 2016 was like the worst year ever. Right. But I, th- I think that's everybody more, died. More national. Yeah. Well, we elected a president. Yeah. You uh, would basically tell your grandchildren. Right. Let me tell you a story from 2016. Right. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened this year. Also, we're recording this literally the day after astronaut Senator John mm-hmm. Glenn passed away. Yeah. It's been a crazy year. Walker, give us a little bit of philosophy for Columbus Underground. Talk about how you guys choose the stories that you have. There's not any sort of rigid structure okay. to it, I guess I would say. Um, we're, we're always looking for anything new and interesting and exciting all the time. You know, there are different types of things that we, we kind of seek out. We're like, you know, we recognize a trend, and so let's do something on this and kind of, you know, start that process ourselves uh, mm-hmm. internally. Uh, a lot of the things we write about are things that get sent our way either through a press release or just a friend of a friend says, hey, I heard this thing is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of look into it from there. So we, we've really grown over the years to cover a pretty wide range of topics. So the sky's, sky's kind of the limit, I guess. You guys also don't cover a whole lot of crime. Um, Not particularly, no. Okay. When I envision this is how sort of a website, a, a news website works, it's almost like you're trying to serve up a square meal in that, yeah, you're going to have some comfort food, which would be like a new development or some gossip about something that someone hasn't heard about yet. Mm-hmm. But you're also trying, I remember when we were launching the Confluence cast and you specifically, we were talking about issue one, the ward issue. Mm-hmm. And you pointed out, you, you said very frankly, just, well, that is important. Like we should cover that because it is important. And it's not necessarily something that people are going to be seeking out and we need to put it in front of them. We need to make sure people are eating their vegetables to an extent. 
Right. So there are some things that we do feel are important in the community. Like we really enjoy lifting up the arts organizations here. I personally always really like to find someone doing something really cool on a personal level Mm -hmm. and getting that story out there. And I feel like those are the most rewarding ones for me personally, when they will go back and tell me having that written about us just really validated what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It made us happy that we're doing it and excited and gave us some real well and it's validation for you guys Mm -hmm. as well absolutely Mm -hmm. let's walk through what the year in the news was we've sort of compiled the top dozen subjects that have had the most eyes on them on columbusunderground.com first off uh short north development yeah kind of collectively all of the development happening there you know added up to be one of the top the top stories. The two that kind of stood out the most uh, in terms of getting people's attention are the the 10-story building that Mm -hmm. Kaufman Development proposed on the old uh, IEBW, International Electrical Brotherhood. IBEW. IBEW. International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Of course you would know. the. (laughs) So uh, that 10-story building and then the uh, Pizzuti building, I think it's also proposed at 10 stories. Mm -hmm. I don't think either of these have been fully approved yet. So, of course, they haven't started construction or anything. Uh, The Pizzuti building would replace uh, Grandview Mercantile, Mm -hmm. which would probably look to relocate the the store. How much do you guys follow? Because you're you're putting out basically the renderings that are proposed with either the Italian or the Victorian Village Commission. Mm-hmm. How much do you guys sort of follow that process? Are you sitting in on those commission meetings or are you sort of you're reporting on what the initial thought is and then sort of reporting on after the sausage has been made, reporting mm-hmm. on what was finally approved? We follow it uh, pretty closely the entire through the through the entire process. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, I should say Brent Warren is the one (laughs) who covers most of this. And they do attend some of the meetings, not all of them. Right. Well, and when there's an update, that's when it's appropriate to sort of refresh it or to put out a new story altogether. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, a lot of these meetings uh, take place at night or, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of during difficult hours. And honestly, as much development has been going on, they've turned into five hour, six hour, seven hour meetings. Oh, yeah. So what Brent and I have kind of loosely done when it comes to like attending these meetings, we look at the agenda in advance and say, you know, if there's four or five or six things on here and there are proposals from developers who don't always respond to emails or phone calls, maybe we should go there in person and, you know, you can get a quote from someone at a meeting a lot easier than getting a response via email. But if there's only one thing on the agenda and it's someone I know I can just call on the phone, might as well just try and get the story and save yourself the time and go into the meeting. Any perception on what readers think of these developments? Is it always like, oh, this is great or... Uh, no, it's it's all it's over the map. It's a mixed bag, I would say, for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A lot of people are very pro-development, pro-future. They want to see things change and evolve and grow. And, okay. But everyone has their own opinion about architecture. It's, right. It's very subjective of what style people prefer. Mm-hmm. How they want their neighborhood to look. Right. Yeah. Well, and we talked just recently with a couple of, uh, I mean, people that are not experts in development, talked to a couple of bartenders, and both had very different opinions on sort of the evolution of the short north that it is just sort of becoming a bar and condo scene. And yeah, everybody has different opinions on that sort of thing. So next up, Smart Cities Grant. Is it June, I think? Mm -hmm. uh, We won the grant. Uh, We were one of, I think, 76 or 77-ish cities that applied for it across the country, and Columbus was picked. And talk just a brief overview of what the Smart Cities Grant is and does and means. 
The Smart Cities grant was a federal grant given to a city to implement new technology and how it affects transit. And Mm -hmm. so there was sort of multiple ways Columbus planned to implement that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The biggest and brightest and shiniest piece was about self-driving cars, autonomous Mm -hmm. vehicles, because everybody is really focused on that. Mm -hmm. There were other things like app-based, you know, transit ridership solution stuff and some mobility option type stuff. But the, the big piece was the autonomous vehicles. While it is great and exciting for us to have gotten it, do you have any insight as to why we got it? I think it's because of the, quote, Columbus way. Okay. And that is bringing together a lot of private and public dollars and support. Okay. So, so they being ha- able to say that we had some matching funds from private mm-hmm. entities. It was over 100% matching funds. Right. Mm-hmm. It was big. Absolutely. Well, and a testament to the city and the preparation that went into it. That there was a little bit of backlash. Uh, from the readers? From Transit Columbus. Okay. Uh, they they kind of took the reins on this, and I agree with them to some extent that it's a little bit of a putting your eggs all in one basket mm-hmm. uh, scenario to flat out say and promote that autonomous vehicles will allow our city to leapfrog light rail and rail-based transit. I mean, do you think those are missteps in terms of the perception of the grant, or do you think that it truly is putting all our eggs in one basket? Because there are a lot of things that this grant does not do. Right. It does not do public transportation for the masses. It does public transportation for some communities, some neighborhoods, as Mayor Ginther would want me to say, within Columbus. In terms of transit, it's a small amount of money and right. it is a pilot program. So right. it's, you know, you can't spend $50 million on rail and get very far. But I do think it is short-sighted to discredit other modes of transportation. Uh, any Any business or city should pride itself on diversification. Right. And so to say, oh, the the way of the future is only one mode of transportation and nothing else matters. There's a lot of think pieces that are really interesting, too, that say the more autonomous the vehicle, the more sprawl we're going to get. Absolutely. The, the whole reason we have sprawl to begin with, suburban sprawl, is because people had cheap cars and cheap oil and, and cheap, freeways and cheap land and freeways. And right. it was all subsidized by the government. And well, hey, let's let's start moving further and further out. And now we have downsides to that. Right. Well, and there's the argument that autonomous vehicles don't cure congestion at all because no. you're still going to have a person in a car. Yeah. What? Why not move 90 miles outside of the city if you can sleep in your autonomous vehicle on the way to work? Exactly. It doesn't matter to you that it's more than a 30-minute commute at this point. Right. Yes. Up next, number 10 on the list, we are counting down to one, the development at 15th and High. Campus Partners and OSU announced their big plans for the 15th and High district mm-hmm. uh, right in the center of the university district. I think it runs from like 14th to 17th. Mm-hmm. So several blocks. They, they want to um, tear down a lot of buildings. They have torn down a lot of they, buildings. It's already underway. Yes. Um, they got underway very quickly on this. Tear down a lot of buildings, build a lot of new stuff, basically kind of give a, a big facelift to that area. Obviously, it was met with a lot of opposition. A lot of people are upset that they're fond college memories are being torn down. Well, it's essentially a non-designated historic district as well. I mean, that's where Bernie's was. There were old Mm -hmm. fraternity houses that weren't actually fraternity houses anymore, Mm -hmm. but were there in that strip. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of bars where people remember or don't remember having their evenings. Right. There was also a lot of mid-century cobbled together, odd 
add-ons right. to a lot of these buildings that you know if you if you looked at the uh well it was almost uh, Char- like charlie stakery and those kinds of places there was an older building behind it that wasn't even used and then this sort of like weird commercial structure kind of plunked in the front right well yeah. and it and that it, frankly it was as much as you can call that hodgepodge it was mm-hmm. also the character of that that area sure so yeah and you know ann and i both went to osu and we have memories of that sort of stuff as well but to be honest, we don't spend too much time at, at Bernie's or Charlie's Steakery or any of those places anymore. So right. it's it's not really our, I wouldn't say it's my decision to make. It's not going to take away my fond memories of those places. Right. Number nine on our list, Ikea is coming in up at Polaris. What do the readers of Columbus Underground think about that? They're excited. Everybody is so excited. Are you excited? We like I Ikea. I like going there. Yeah. Lincolnberries, hooray. Everybody's super excited to get the IKEA. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was announced back in like the start of twenty fifteen that mm-hmm. we were getting this thing in the summer of twenty seventeen. So this year was all just construction. But every time we published anything about like different milestones in the construction process, every everyone and their brother was sharing it on Facebook and Twitter. Just and so excited not to have to drive down to Cincinnati anymore. Yeah. A little concerned about the traffic. Okay. But I don't think you can go to that area not have that in your mind at all is it going to make things incrementally worse than they already are up there yes probably by 10 times or more you think so especially opening day probably for a while okay all right but Uh, still fun to go to and and to argue with your your partner uh (laughs) as you test your relationship as you test your relationship (laughs) walking through the ikea up next on the list, number eight, Holy Chicken, as brought to us by Morgan Spurlock, turns out to be a hoax. Well, maybe not necessarily a hoax. Now, but... many people have framed this differently. So first of all, give us a, just the rundown on what Holy Chicken was without giving any sort of opinion on it. Exactly what it was? Exactly what it was. So Holy Chicken was a restaurant concept, a pop-up restaurant concept from Morgan Spurlock, the famed documentary filmmaker, most known for Super Size Me, mm-hmm. his, his McDonald's uh, kind of takedown documentary. Mm-hmm. He opened it up near Westerville, four-day run, kind of promoting it as a healthy-ish chicken restaurant. Mm-hmm. And people came, discovered that all of the buzzwords he was using don't really have any sort of meaning. And Well, the buzzwords don't have any sort of meaning. Right. Some of the words being all natural. Yeah. Basically words that we attach to things, mm-hmm. creating sort of the halo effect of health, but they're not words that actually mean they're good. In my mind, sort of being a takedown for places like Chipotle right. that are serving you a 1500 calorie burrito and you for some reason believe that it's still good for you yeah. to engorge yourself with that much food yeah regardless of the calorie content the fat content and all of that so the negative implications from it in my perception is that when it launched the mayor went up for the ribbon cutting all the television stations went up and covered it mm-hmm. as like oh isn't this great that this quote-unquote famous person is here mm-hmm. doing this thing and yet shouldn't they have had an idea from the get-go that maybe this wasn't going to be exactly what was presented to us i think maybe people thought that there there was something more to it but i think people generally want to just take people at their word. You know, right. if someone says all natural, you just say, okay, it's all natural. Right. Um, once you arrived in the restaurant, they had a lot of language on the walls that kind of said, hey, guess what? 
all natural doesn't really mean anything. Right. Uh, and then you start, you, and then you realize like, oh, he's calling attention to this issue and it all kind of clicks and you're like, okay, I get it. I get what he's doing. He has a film crew there. He's obviously making a documentary of some sort. Right. This is, this is what his point is. But people were offended. They were, they felt tricked. Okay. And I, you know, I, I told uh, a friend that when it happened, like when I realized it, it had like the Kaiser Soze moment where you like drop the coffee mug in slow motion and it all kind of clicks. Right. Um, but I think people's anger was a little bit misdirected because they're mad at him for tricking them for one day, mm-hmm. but not upset that every other company is tricking them 24 seven. Exactly. And this isn't, you know, it's, it's easy to point a finger at Chipotle cause I think they're probably a pretty good, like one-to-one example. They're of this. an easy example of yeah, it. Yeah. Right? But you go into a grocery store no matter what product you buy, if it's, if it's wheat thins or whatever, mm-hmm. there's, you know, it says gluten-free on the box and you're just like, Oh, these are gluten-free. I'm going to buy them. Cause that makes me feel healthier. And right. like, you don't bother looking at the ingredients and you don't bother looking at the actual statistics. Well, and like I bought chicken breasts the other day and they said gluten-free on them. And I was like, of course they're, it's meat. (laughs) Right. Why would it not be gluten-free? But, but it makes you feel a little bit healthier when they have that sticker. Well, okay. You're not, you're seeing through it. You're seeing through it a little bit. I'm sorry. The listeners can't see me (laughs) shaking my head. No. Yeah. But, but it's, I mean, that health halo effect is a real thing. You know, I I think his idea of calling attention to that is a noble cause but of course, some people felt burned in the process. It was still a tasty sandwich. Okay. We both had it. I'm, I'm glad it was delicious. It was delicious. Yeah. Well, I mean, with all that stuff, even though if it does say no antibiotics and right. organic and free range, it doesn't mean you should eat as much as possible. Exactly. On to a totally different subject, I hope. Number seven on our list, the Eat Per Love Cat Cafe and then the Tailwags Cafe, which is a dog cafe. Mm-hmm. First of all, what is that? So they're both a little bit different. The eat per love. Well, cat. one has cats and one has dogs. True. Right? Okay. True. <laughs> but the other difference is that the eat per love cat cafe has their own cats. So you go there by yourself and you can work and play with cats. You can have all the fun of cats and none of the responsibilities. Right. Okay. But I think they're all up for adoption though, too. Like you can so. adopt, you can adopt the cats and stuff. So if you okay. want to go and work and you love cats and you just want to go play with cats, that's what Oh, that's so for. the dog place, you bring your you dog. You bring your dogs, yeah. I see. Yeah. Are so there... they have a big area to run around in and... It's a little more totally. like... It's an indoor dog Doggy park. daycare, but supervised. Like okay. you're hanging out. Mm-hmm. Drinking coffee. It's like a play cafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We being parents understand <laughs> yeah. that you go to this place, there is coffee, and you can sort of let your kid run around over there. It's for the dog parents. Okay. Dog parents. Are people excited about that? Or is it something that they're sort of like, in my head, it's like, what crazy thing are they going to come up with next? Who needs this? Who needs a cat cafe? I I think, I mean, people, people read. Have you been to the cat cafe, Walker? I'm not a cat person. Okay. And have you been to the cat cafe? No, okay. I haven't either. We need to take our daughter. Well, and how much does it Wait. cost too? It's like ten dollar an hour cover fee. Okay. How long do people stay on average? <laughs> These were very well read stories, is what I'm getting at though. People love that stuff. Yeah. I, I think I think it was one part people are excited and one part like weird curiosity, kind mm-hmm. of that like And they were know. new. Yeah, they were yeah. first of their kind here, and mm-hmm. I think they are happening in other cities. So yeah. it's kind of neat that Columbus can add it, have that too, add itself to the list. When the twelfth cat cafe opens, it won't be quite as 
buzzworthy anymore. I don't imagine so. I don't know that the market will be able to stand that. There are a lot of cats around. <laughs> Get your pet spayed and neutered. <laughs> Thanks, Bob Barker. Number six on our list, uh, social entrepreneurship saw big investment. Yes, it certainly did. I think it was a pretty big year for social entrepreneurs in 2016. We saw Joe DeLoss and his hot chicken takeover get a pretty nice investment from Access Ventures and Kiva Columbus launched here as well Mm -hmm. to help support small businesses. And we also just are getting a lot more people caring about extra community involvement that businesses do and how well, and sort they... of the social yes. model the social aspect of their business model mm-hmm. i have said privately and i think it's fair to say here now i don't think joe i think joe makes fantastic chicken i don't think that's what he's doing right i think he has a new human resources model that is being tested out with hot chicken takeover. I agree. And it's nice to see that that's supported. Even if people are just going there for the chicken, they do still get to know that that's what's happening. Right. So number four and five, I think I'm going to just call the yin and yang. Uh, A lot of people paying attention to closings around town and then a lot of people paying attention to openings as well. What are sort of the big closings we had this year? Uh, the number one biggest one was Haiku. When that was announced, uh, everyone was very upset. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, they've got a lot of fans. They've been around, I think, 18 years, 19 years mm-hmm. uh, in their location. Beloved restaurant. The owners decided to sell the building and the land and kind of, you know, they're probably heading into retirement. So there'll mm-hmm. be a, there's a new building proposed for development there. That was definitely the biggest closure. The The Japanese steakhouse mm-hmm. by the North Market. A lot of people didn't even realize that was still open, that that officially closed and is either for sale to a new restaurant or to a developer. Right. Uh, Patrick Jay's in Clintonville. Mm-hmm. Uh, same story. They decided to sell and redevelop. Well, that's not the same story. Uh, there's the connection. There's uh, a little more to it. Right. The owner happened to be the imprisoned lobbyist right. uh, who was involved in the red light traffic cameras contract with the city of Columbus for reasons still not publicly known, uh, lost a city council member over it. It still sort of follows council to an extent. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note if you are a convicted felon, you cannot own a liquor license. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of, you know, that's what happened there. Right. So and then also just, you know, a roundup of them, uh, Dick's Last Resort, which is in a location that seems to not be able to maintain a large scale restaurant. Honestly, I think that has to do with the fact that the while the hockey season is long, it mm-hmm. is not that many games. Right. And so that that district sort of depends on it. And office workers in that area do not want to go to a restaurant where they're going to get insulted just for a happy hour. Mm-hmm. Also, the Chintz Room, the Liz Lesnar attached restaurant from the Columbus Food League, has closed till Dynamic Fair on King and Neal, and then also Cafe Bella in Old North Columbus. Let's talk about some of the big openings then. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, some of the biggest uh, included Balboa on uh, Grandview Avenue in Grandview, Standard Hall in the Short North. And to be clear, when you say biggest, you're talking about number of eyes on the art. Yeah, yeah. The ones that our readers seem to be the most excited about when Mm -hmm. those announcements were made. Press Grill opened a second location on Fifth Avenue. Uh, Penn's Mechanical Company, which, you know, kind of bar slash restaurant slash many other Mm -hmm. other things. Duck Pin Bowling. Duck Donuts. 
which I had never heard of. But when that was announced, people started losing their minds. I guess they have a huge following. I think they're based in North Carolina. It's it's a donut place, and it's up at around Polaris. Delicious. Yeah. And then roundup of just sort of some of the other openings. Rock Mill opening their Columbus Brewery District location. Hadley's opening up at the 4th and Main District. Pale on Fifth Avenue. Polly G's at Fifth and High. Bonifacio sort of around the Grandview area. And then hoof-hearted in Italian Village. Second locations for Little Eater, Native Cold Press, Harvest Dublin, and also Condado now in downtown. Surprisingly, to me at least, downtown development came in a whole lot higher in terms of viewership than Short North development, the biggest of which is the Millennial Tower. Can you talk about the Millennial Tower a bit? Yeah, so the Bill Schottenstein, our shot development, proposed earlier this year uh, the creation of a new large-scale tower downtown, apartments, condos, offices, retail, parking garage, kind of all in one building. Uh, a lot of downtown development, people complain, is too short. It's all, you know, six-ish stories. Mm-hmm. And this is the first 25-story building okay. uh, that's been proposed for a while. So very um, contemporary design, a lot of big LED screens and you know, bells and whistles and stuff. So is this literally going to change our cityscape? Yeah, it would. Yeah, tw- 25 stories it would be in, in the skyline. So it came in for its initial review. The downtown commission, you know, kind of reviewed it, reviewed it and gave feedback, but it's not been back yet for kind of second round stuff. So it's still okay. kind of in the conceptual phase. But that was the really, really big news for downtown. Obviously, there were a lot of other projects as well. Mm-hmm. Any perception on how sort of the downtown commission feels about it? And will is it going to go through? The downtown commission works a lot differently than the other commissions. Okay. I would say that they generally, if, if a development proposal comes to them, they're not looking to block or reject or shorten anything. As long as it's not a parking lot. Right, right. If right. anything, their their design standards generally are more about, you know, if it's too short, it needs to be taller. Okay. Every, every development they want to see taller downtown. So they love the height and the massing, the density. They took issue with some of the screen type stuff, some right. LED screens. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times those are pitched as art installations and very quickly turn into just giant advertising walls. Right. Um, there are other residents that live in the area too, so they were concerned if these screens are full blast LED brightness at night, are people going to be unable to sleep right. because of all this you know, kind of light pollution in the area? But generally they're really in favor of it. They're very in favor of all downtown development. Good. Yeah. Talk to me about some of the other downtown development stuff that's happening. What's happening on Gay and High streets are pretty significant. We have a lot of our buildings that have sat empty for quite some time, mm-hmm. finally seeing some love and care put into them. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not all just getting torn down. The Day Companies is working with historic tax credits, and they are restoring some. They are putting in some cool pedestrian streetscape walkways and mm-hmm adding retail and they're just gonna create an extension of gay street just a little bit to the north okay on the madison building area Mm -hmm. and it's just gonna really add a lot of vibrancy to the whole neighborhood got it number two on our list a single piece but an evergreen piece certainly the columbus festival list and you put that together each year is that right yes and while a fantastic resource for people planning and stuff what sort of feedback have you gotten on it It's pretty exciting to see all of the things happening in Columbus on the festival type circuit Mm -hmm. all just in one spot. We have probably around 300 different festivals the whole season. I mean, the season technically probably lasts all year, but I always count it from May to about October Mm -hmm. and really starting like the first big 
mega weekend for the summer is like mid-May mm-hmm. when we have the North Market Apron Gala. We have Race for the Cure. We have Village Valuables. We have the Urban Living Tour. Mm-hmm. There's just so many things that start happening. And then we usually go until about the Circleville Pumpkin Show. Okay, that's sort of the wrap-up. It was pretty cool this year, 2016. We had about maybe at least 10 new things come on the radar. Okay. The Whiskey Bear Comedy Festival started. Um, GCAC started their Columbus Open Studio and Stage. The Sunlight Market started up. Good. And then, surprising to me as well, the number one story on Columbus Underground this year, the Tanger Outlet Mall. Yeah. Why? <laughs> uh, we published the list of stores, the, the first 75 stores when they were announced. Okay. And it, like on a local level, I guess, went viral. Okay. Uh, people were just really excited to see that initial lineup of stores, uh, which it was really surprising to us as well. You know, the, the outlet mall had been announced. We had done stories on it in the past. It was, you know, always well read. But this like blew up in a way that no one had like really expected. Right. And we learned then that people really, really, really like their outlet malls. Right. Well, what's interesting to me is that the top two stories on Columbus Underground are sort of resource stories. They mm-hmm. are sort mm-hmm. of, this is the basic information on what you would like to find out about in our city. Yeah. And so it's a testament to the service, I think, that Columbus Underground offers the city. So that's our roundup of the top 12 stories of the year. This is based on number of eyeballs on things. Right. You guys in May of this year took down the discussion boards on Columbus Underground. Mm-hmm. Comments are still alive and well on the individual stories. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about, first of all, sort of the philosophy behind taking down the discussion boards? It was something that had kind of outlived its purpose. Okay. You know, we, we launched those message boards, I think, in 2002 or mm-hmm. three. Uh, it had gone through a lot of different iterations. So, you know, when we launched it way back in 2002, 2003, that was pre-social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were looking for a gathering place to discuss things online. Mm-hmm. Um, so we saw its use kind of grow and grow. And, and really, most of Columbus Underground, before it became a news resource, mm-hmm. really shifted to to news production around like 2009. Okay. Columbus Underground was almost 100% a message board. It was like a message board and an event calendar. Okay. Over time, we became more of a news source. We became a business. We started growing um, as social media kind of rose and people had more places they could go online to discuss things. Mm -hmm. We saw message board use kind of decline. So even though readership of Columbus Underground, you know, has continued to to grow or be steady, Mm -hmm. uh, the message board use had just become basically this tiny little piece of what we were doing. Okay. From a technology standpoint as well, we had amassed this really large database of of live content. Okay. And since it was this really old system that we had sort of grown and grown into other types of systems, it became a really big sort of resource hog on our database. Right. And we realized we need to, you know, we can't spend 90% of our resources on something that's like 10% of what we do. Right. So it's probably time to, you know, archive this thing. A lot of the old message board stuff is still archived. It's accessible. It's searchable. So we didn't delete all that stuff. Right. We just disabled the ability for new comments and kind of pulled all that stuff out of the database. Well, and there's some of it is maintaining it as well, mm-hmm. is sort of keeping the trolls at bay, if you will. <laughs> And those are human resources then that you have to dedicate to it. Really, there wasn't a whole lot of that. Like, okay. It, we had like a self-moderating board. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think people always have more vivid memories of, of craziness from maybe like the earlier days when the internet was a little more Wild West mm-hmm. type, type thing. But in the past 
three, four, five years. I mean, the amount of time we spent on forum moderation was practically nothing. Okay. But there I, are still comments turned on on individual stories. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I assume for some, at least, active discussions happening mm-hmm. r- revolving around them. Yeah. Okay. But there's really not a lot of moderation time devoted to, to that sort of stuff. But okay. I, it's interesting, though, because there, there's been some interesting pieces on uh, Reddit recently about how their user community has kind of taken control mm-hmm. uh, of the platform. Like some of the worst people in their community are right. kind of the biggest users of the platform now and how that's kind of affecting you know people's views of, of that service and that platform. Have you thankfully not had to really deal with that? This was not a response to that sort of thing happening. No, no, no. We, we basically shut it down because it wasn't who we are anymore. Okay. You know, we, we wanted to focus on what we do well, you know, as a business, even as a person, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. So are you going to do the three things that you do well? Or are you going to do 20 things kind of half-assed? Right. What are you guys looking forward to in 2017? Getting that Ikea open in the summer. <laughs> summer 2017. <laughs> well, you guys are expanding your events, right? In 2017, mm-hmm. we, uh, we have uh, a lot of new event ideas that we're looking to to implement. We really ramped up our events and kind of expanded them in 2016. Mm-hmm. So 2017 is going to be more about kind of refining different ideas and swapping some things out and, and uh, addressing some things for, for moving forward and making everything more exciting. Great. 2017. Great. And Walker, thank you guys so much for your time. Have a great holiday and have a great new year. Thanks. You too, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your local reporter. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a good new year.